Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The boyhood dream has come true. All of you spoke to me. You're about to find out how ugly mankind can really be. Myself and the click are gonna dance all over your face. Talk about your psalms, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. To the Goldaholic Classic Raw Review. As you're the Goldaholic lads admire Vince McMahon's fucking mustache. We are here via the Ica Pro Power DeLorean. Back in more simple times, when Vincent Mann's hair was naturally much darker and his moustache was naturally not there. As we head towards SummerSlam of 1996, who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell, with the Malagan to my O'Hare, the Clive Fuck of Cultaholic, the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. How you doing, Jackie? Hello, hello. Look at that lovely denim top today. Thanks, thanks, yeah. Uh, with, a, with a badge on that says, I will kill again. So that's reassuring it's, uh, for it's, everyone involved. I like to set up my store with my chest. <laughs> <laughs> when you met Sean, what badges were you wearing? Um, born to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's so crass. <laughs> she knew what she was getting herself into. <laughs> oh, it's God. my favourite Bruce Springsteen <laughs> parody porn. <laughs> Tramps like us, baby, we were born to fuck. <laughs> Set around the around the uh, the bins of Aldi. Um, <laughs> are, you, are you all right, though, Tom? Oh, I'm tired. <laughs> oh, I'm tired. Yeah. Uh, the, the joy of time being a construct of human perception. This is we're sitting down just a couple of days after WrestleMania. Yes. Um, it's it was a it was busy. I went right, so you know how much I don't like to do too much work, and I like to kind of get a good eight hours sleep a night, and you know work my allotted hours. Yeah, the opposite the opposite rest. of me, the the workhorse. Yeah, the yeah hardest working <laughs> man in showbiz to my left, and everybody's left. Um, I so sat in. So Alex had got tickets to see Darren Hayes at City Hall in Newcastle. Yeah, and and I was like. I'll come with you because I think her mate was going to go with her then couldn't and I didn't really want to go in on her own. I'm like, it's mania night. All right, I'll go with you. So like the the show finished at like 10.20 p.m. And it was a mad rush to get to work in time to be here for live reactions with <laughs> bare, like, I think I think I was here as the show was beginning in the end. You, the taxi was a chew on. You were because we were in the office and like we, we just had <laughs> it was like a kind of getting ready for actual news because you were in here mm. we were next door and we was just like you know it's, it's, it's come down the line uh, Tom Campbell's not here yet Tom Campbell's not here <laughs> is he alright has he been abducted um, I blame Darren Hayes for putting on too long a banger of a gig he opened with affirmation bloody hell bold yeah closed with um, that Chichichiri Cola yeah. Great night. But I wouldn't recommend going to a gig and then doing Mania because like, the like stress levels were high getting here on time, which we did, and it was fine. And then we ended up working till about six in the morning post-Mania. And then just as we were kind of, we finished the news video, we were sort of wrapping up. That's when KSI does a video where he goes, I think I want to fight Bobby Lashley. Right, we've just done a video where we say we don't know who Bobby's fighting. We should probably redo the video. So we redid the video. He didn't even fight him in KSI. So by the time we'd done all that, it was 7 a.m. 
I was down to be on BBC Radio Newcastle at 10. Why? Because I, I needed the shift. <laughs> I thought I'd be home to have a couple of hours kip and then be out again. And I just said, I texted Alex saying, I'm just going to take a disco nap here and go straight in from here. So I did a show on radio. Do you know what? I did a really good show on radio in Newcastle. Despite being really tired. Uh, but I did it in the clothes from the day before. I was a minger. So did that, <laughs> finished at two and then went home and had about three hours, three hours in, in bed asleep. And then we can did it all again. But I did like a full, like over 24 hours awake. Right. I was going to say, you're, you're a different man to Aidan Gibbons who got engaged on Saturday. He did. And then as soon as he got engaged, he went, right, I'm having a kip. I've got to go to work. See you later. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, mate, and that's the commitment to WrestleMania, though, to go, oh, I got engaged, right? That's it. I'm, I'm happy to stay in my life, but I've WrestleMania in it. Just, just that everyone knows, like, everyone who knows wrestling, who knows us, mm. knows how big WrestleMania is. But like you said, your good lady, Sean, et cetera, when we just say it's WrestleMania weekend, they're just like, yeah, I'll see you in a few yeah, days. Yeah, see you Wednesday. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we uh, we fall out of sync, do Alex and I. We're normally very in sync as a couple, even though I work a lot and she works a lot. We're normally very in sync. And the last four or five days, it's been a shame because, like, I've been going to bed as she's getting up and she's been, she did a couple of early shifts as well. So we just, we've been all over the place. So um, we're getting back on track today. Uh -huh. On the day of recording, it's our eighth anniversary. Fantastic. Congratulations. Nice. Thank you. We genuinely forget when our anniversary is. So yeah. we don't we're not we don't like a massive style walks to celebrate it. Like we kind of say how much we like each other all the time. So and we're getting married, so we'll kind of class that. But uh, we're going axe throwing tonight. Nice. Celebrate our anniversary. Yeah. Axe throwing. I, Get uh, us back in sync. Sean and I forgot our most recent anniversary until a week afterwards. And we got no excuse because we set it as um New Year's Eve because we thought we'll never forget this. <laughs> 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 like six of uh, six of January, I was like, "It's our anniversary." The other day, instrument was it? I was like, "Yeah." But you know what? It's quite nice to be that comfortable in a relationship where you don't feel the stress of having to do something grandiose for an anniversary. Because, mm. like, the way like Alex and I work, it might be something to you and Sean. Like, we we tell each other we love each other all the time. We do nice things for each other all year round. It doesn't feel like like Valentine's Day and anniversaries. Whilst we'll, you know, if we remember them, we'll do something. But it's not like the be all and end all if we don't. Oh no. Yeah, you know, I show I show Alex all year round that I love her and vice versa. Yeah. She got upset this morning because she'd fell asleep on the sofa and didn't make any overnight oats, unaware that I'd made them while she was asleep and put them in the fridge. A keeper, a keeper. Bloody keeper, I am. Bloody keeper. And then it was the weekend before Mania where I came home and I'd had a. I just I was overtired even before Mania week. I just tired, but body clock was still knackered from coming back from Australia in the extra hour. And uh, I came home to uh, a cup of tea and a bubble bath with candles. Ooh. I know. She knows me. Yeah. She gets me. She knows. Like, that's that's how that's that gets to my soul, that does. That's lovely. Nice, that. So we don't need, like, marquee days. We just do nice things for each other and yeah. kick each other up the ass when needed and stuff. Oh, yeah, same. But it was funny because um, so we had, like, the WrestleMania, we didn't see each other. And then Alex was working from home on the Monday. And uh, we all have Monday off because we're all fucks. And we still thought, so I said, come on, you're working from home. Let's do it. You get a lunch break. It's liquid lunch. Come on. And she's like, I don't know. We take a lunch break. Will you do today? Come on. So we went to the pub around the corner and had uh, like an hour. And, and as I was finishing my pint, I said, I'm keeping one eye on the slack because WWE is apparently going to be sold yeah. any, 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 any point today. And as I was saying that, I looked at my phone and it was, Ba-ding, ba-ding, ba-ding. Right. So I've got to go to work. Because <laughs> it's just, she went, all right, see you later. <laughs> Axe throwing on Wednesday. Yeah, Axe throwing on Wednesday. See, I, I, did, I did Ring of Honor on Friday night and I did night one of Mania Saturday and then I had Sunday off. Because obviously with Aiden working Sunday night, I was on website on my own in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I had a message from him saying, oh yeah, just, uh, you may have missed. WWE may be getting sold tomorrow. And I just replied <laughs> saying, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the first messages I saw in the chat was the link to the article about the sale. And then you going, fuck a duck. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it, it was, uh, yeah, I think it was quarter past 12 and Aiden just went, I'm awake, I'm naked. I'm in, I'm in a towel because I've had a shower. <laughs> He's like naked and wet, and I've just written up that we've been that WWE's been sold. I was like, "Thank you, Aiden. I'm going to continue this about indie hardware." <laughs> the, the more pressing of the news. Yeah. So. But what a week it's been. Yes. So we, we'll go back to more simple times. 
let's 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 do it. You know, before takeovers and makeovers and uh, and all that, like Vince's moustache. Vince's moustache. We we were having a grand old time with that in the chat. Weren't oh we? my god, what a treat! He looks like Gomez Adams. <laughs> I saw someone on Twitter saying he looks like uh, John Waters if he had an allergic reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I made a comment in a news video the day where I said Vincent Mann looks like he's about to twirl his moustache and tie the future of WWE to the railroad tracks. <laughs> I said he'd look like he'd just been in charge of a coup d'etat in South America. It's, like, <laughs> it's the fact that he was wearing like a cream suit as well. It's like, oh, he looks like El Presidente, Vince McMahon. Charged with what? What? <laughs> what was he charged with? What? <laughs> I was saying, because doesn't that mean no worries? <laughs> It's it's a it's our problem free philosophy. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, we had a, God bless uh, Vincent Man who looked took one look in the mirror before going on TV and went, "Yeah, that's fine." <laughs> He's like, "How how do I not look like someone who's been accused of horrific crimes?" <laughs> yeah, so like this is. There was it you in the chat who said this is a, this is Vincent's attempt to look warm and friendly. Yeah. <laughs> It's, oh. Do you watch? Are you an always sunny guy at all? Yes. Um, the episode where Frank puts on a uh, a, a kid's beauty pageant and doesn't want to look like a paedophile, so he dyes his hair black and then it melts. He's just the most ridiculous man. I love what a train wreck he is. Yeah. He's absolutely amazing. And oh. the fact that him and Dana White are now um, colleagues, and it's like, oh, this is going to end in tears and probably a punch-up at some point. <laughs> I think even in the thing that he had with uh, with, uh, with with Ari, the owner of Endeavor, where like they, and the interviewer asked the question, like, what will you do, Vince, if, if the board disagrees with what you say? I think he basically said, we'll have a fight about it. Yeah. So this is going to be great. <laughs> Dana White bursting out of his polo shirt, which is four sizes too small, just like, yeah, I'll fight Vince. Fight me, bro. Oh. <laughs> People say this is the end of the days. I think it's just the beginning. It's We've only just begun. It's It's been wild. It's been fantastic. I yeah. But back in the halcyon days of 1996, we must go. Because <laughs> chances are, we're recording this on a Wednesday. By the time this goes out, there might have been a thousand other beats to this story. <laughs> but Triple H might be an impact, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Terrorising in the impact zone. What's terrorising doing in the impact zone, Maggle? <laughs> July 22nd, 1996 is with the episode of Raw we're watching. Number one in this particular day, on this particular day in the US movie world is Independence Day. Hanging in. Still in there. Number one movie in the UK is Mission Impossible. Hanging it's in. Re -sign. It's the uh, the reimagining of the franchise. Number one song in the US, new Tony Braxton. You're making me high. I didn't know it either. And number one in the UK is Spice Girls with Wannabe. Ooh. They're there, they've made it. Now number one. Uh, they wanted Say You'll Be There to be the first single they released. Yeah. But they went, but um, the record label wanted it to be Say You'll Be There, but all five girls went, no, it's got to be Wannabe. Yeah. Because it's an introduction song. And it really is a, a very much an introduction song. To Here's the story the about Spice Girls. to be. You want to get with me? You got to Lady. She'd be a lady. That's to me. Uh, you'll see. According to a study in 2014 by the University of Amsterdam and Manchester's Museum of Science and Industry, Wannabe is the catchiest song ever. It is very catchy. Mm, participants in the project identified it in just 2.29 seconds due to Mel B's unforgettable laugh at the start. She's that little like... It's... It is... Yeah, it's a great song. Uh, it beats out Lou Baker's number five, Mambo number five, and I the Tiger by Survivor. Oh. In recognizability. I, I, I thought you meant in the charts in '96. Oh, like, oh, Mambo well. number five was after that. Oh, what a time! Yeah. Uh, the vi music video uh, was filmed at the Midland Grand Hotel in central London. That's where they're kind of yeah. talking to the camera all the way around. Uh, those stairs, whilst the, whilst the hotel's been rebranded the St Pancras Renaissance Hotel, that staircase is still there. Yeah. So if you're in London, you could visit the staircase and the sort of the, the space where they filmed the video to Wannabe. Yeah. Should 
you be inclined? Uh, they actually approached Tony Blair, soon to be prime minister, uh, to actually feature in the video, but turned it down. Oh. So we could have had Tony Blair in the music video for better or for worse. Uh, 25th of July, this particular week in 1996, this, uh, this brought back some memories for me. A report commissioned collectively by broadcasters that made up ITV claims that Channel 5's plans to retune millions of television and video recorders are inadequate and underfunded. The report follows a survey conducted on 700 households in Channel 5's pilot retuning area in Surrey, which says fewer than 60% of households have been contacted by the returning teams and less than 50% have had their equipment successfully retuned. So this is at a point where a new terrestrial channel is so... It is so alien to the world. You have to physically have your recorders and TV TVs rewired in order to get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it take many years until digital for many people to actually get it. In Some people clear. still not. And Channel Five, who was it launched by? The Spice Girls. Spice Girls. How yeah. very 1996 of us this week. Yeah. So that's the boring old world of real life. What's happening in the more exciting world of the wrestling? There's quite a bit. No, <laughs> nothing seismic. But as if you're if you're a frequent listener to this podcast, you'll know that it's 1996 and everything's kicking off week by week. Oh, and it's just so there's there's dribs and drabs everywhere. Um, this is from the Wrestling Observer newsletter dated July 29th, 1996. Uh-huh. Uh, a little one here ahead of this week's RAW. So this week's RAW is in the Key Arena in Seattle, Washington. In Seattle, Washington. It usually holds 20,000, but was cut down about a one-third building configuration, which was packed with 6,755 uh, 6, fans paying $91,092. The gate was the largest ever for a RAW taping at this point. Oh, wow. So, And when we get to it, it's a good crowd. Yeah, <laughs> I, it looked good on telly, but you often really wonder good. whether or not it's well shot. WBF have always been excellent at accentuating the yes. positives in terms of production. So, but it was actually legitimately good, good, good turnout. Yeah, amazing. Like I said, Gate was the largest ever for a raw taping. It's either this week or next week's Observer that it starts with Dave Meltzer going basically the state of the American wrestling scene, saying that while pay per views. Eh, TV numbers are starting to go up and live gates are really mm. going through the roof. And this seems to suggest an upward trend. So, also WWF news, there is some controversy regarding the goon gimmick. The goon! The goon! Apparently, Ontario-based wrestler Scott Damore sent in the idea of being a hockey goon with costume sketches and basically the entire idea. He sent it to Titan not that long ago in 1996, never got caught back and saw what he was, well, what was he claimed were his own ideas on Wild Bill Irwin. Damore had been doing the same gimmick for about seven months on shows in Michigan. This isn't the first time this has happened and it won't be the last. Now, weirdly, in interviews, Wild Bill Irwin has claimed that he came up with the gimmick himself. As opposed to? As opposed to, as opposed to being given it. Yeah. Uh, he was on, it was, there's two notable podcasts that he did. He did stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw where he said, uh, you've had every other athletic sport come to the business. What about a hockey player? Because he's got a bit of a hockey background. Uh, he, he said, um, he suggested removing the, the removing the blades from the hockey boots and then walking out in those yeah. and having like the oversized jersey and playing up the fact that he used to also be the goon in school where like he was brought to so basically the goon being the guy they bring in. They did bring to in to rough people up. Rough basically. people yeah. up. Uh, so Bill Irwin claimed it was his idea. They talked about it on Stories of Pattern with Briscoe and Bradshaw. There's also an incredible 17-minute interview he did with Hannibal on Hannibal TV in which I think Bill Irwin is very drunk <laughs> and very angry. And after 17 <laughs> minutes or so, like, I think Hannibal asks him, like, you know, because he has a match with The Undertaker in a couple of weeks' time, and he asks, like, was that the biggest match that you'd had to date? And Bill Irwin's like, I've been wrestling for 40 fucking years. What kind of stupid fucking question is that? And Hannibal just goes, you're a worthless fucking drunk. I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> and they hang up the call. Wow. It's an amazing interview. Oh, gosh. It was, I mean, fair, I mean, Hannibal let it go much longer than I'd have done. Yeah. If you listen to the interview, you find it online. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting that Scott Demore says it's his. It could be a case that two people have had the same idea at the same time. Yeah. Because the goon is quite a, a, a common terminology, maybe. Um, but Bill Irwin will say forever that it's, it's it his. seems out of pl- like obviously we're in the doldrums coming at the very, very last breaths of the new generation era. So it kind of fits there. But this would have worked for thinking ECW as a gimmick. 
Just a yeah. guy coming out in hockey pads beating fuck out of people. Yeah, because he could have been an extra. He could have, and they could have really pushed it more, made it more violent. Yeah, because obviously with WWF, you're very limited on sort of what you can do with a, a gimmick like the goon. Uh. You can't really beat people with a hockey stick, especially if they're trying to discourage people from using weaponry. Yeah, I think that rule is kind of a bit more lax than it was last year. Yeah, but regardless, you you ECW would have had a field day with a gimmick like this. Uh, elsewhere reports are that Pat Patterson leased his Connecticut home he's been trying to sell and will be moving back to Florida. At this point, he isn't officially part of the WWF, but was in for the pay-per-views and TVs this week as a guest. Little like Vince McMahon in 2023. Mm-hmm. Like Vince McMahon, Pat Patterson was accused of... Uh... <laughs> ah. uh, so then he stepped away and now he's just kind of popping back again after retiring. Yeah. I think I think I seem to think Pat Patterson will come and go from the company yeah. many times over the remainder of his life. Yeah. Um, and this is another one of those times. This is another one of those times. Talking to someone who'll be in and out like a yo-yo. <sighs> Sheiky baby, Iron Sheik will be Sheiky baby. He'll be coming in as a manager starting at the August 19th tapings. He's gonna break some backs and make fuckers humble. Wow, they're bringing in the Sheik, Iron Sheik. Oh, this is oh no, we're too we're too early for um the Sultan, aren't we? Oh, are we? No. We're gearing up. Oh, wow. We are gearing up. There's, there's more, more news on that next week. Oh, spicy. So, uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley has signed a three-year contract and it's expected they will renew his push now that they've got a long-term commitment from him. I think he's learned his lesson. He's learned From his other lesson. people's mistakes. He's eaten humble pie and he's gone, don't worry, I'm a nice man. I won't store this all up and then, you know, unleash absolute <laughs> hell. <laughs> on the entire roster in the early 2000s. <laughs> shovel, what shovel? <laughs> I look at the barrel. Book of tea. You're fine with me. In the time it takes for Triple H to pin Booker T, a nice hot cup of tea cools down perfectly. And gets heated up again in the microwave because you've forgotten about it. <laughs> and then cools down again. Uh, also, Kevin Kelly debuted last week as an announcer on cable with Jim Ross and comes across very well. Even more impressive when you consider his limited experience. Yay! He did a lot of radio. And that's, there seems to be a, a correlation of WWF picking up people that worked in radio. Yes. Because obviously you, you're already natural speakers if you can do all that. And it's just a case of learning the spiel of the wrestling. Well, I know Shivani went to, was in radio, was he a lot of brave stuff after mm. his... He did some after, yeah. He did, did he some do it before after. WCW as well? I don't think he did. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he did. Yeah. Because oh. I remember when people were d- dunking on him for working in Starbucks, and he was like, I work on the radio. He's like, I do Starbucks because I get health insurance. And everyone's like, yeah, fair books to you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If I was in America, that'd be a great little thing. I'd do yeah. that as well. Right, so that's all the WWF news, but there's news from elsewhere. Oh. New Japan slash WCW. There was an incident on a recent tour, because obviously WCW and New Japan in 1996, they're working closely together. They're going back and forth, exchanging talent, etc. So incident on a recent tour. And Dave doesn't have much in the way of details, but apparently Hawk and Randy Savage got into a fight. Based on the stories they heard, Hawk came out the better of the two. Imagine that fight. I feel like Hawk started it. I don't know why. (laughs) I think Savage is a a powder keg at the best of times. Yeah. But I think Hawk probably started it. There was probably... uh, Plenty of powder involved. Uh, EC- <laughs> ECW. He means the drugs. Oh, allegedly, they're both dead. They Not even sue. allegedly. They can't sue. They can't sue. It's fine. He means genuinely. Genuinely. Allegedly. Genuinely. ECW. There was a minor incident backstage at a recent ECW arena show involving Taz and Nine One One. After being choked out, the idea was that Nine One One was going to sell it until they brought out smelling salts to revive him. <laughs> 911 ended up getting up too soon, and Taz had words with him backstage about it, and Big Dick, Big Dick Dudley ended up in the middle. At this point, there are no plans for 911 to be brought back, but he did get a huge pop for his return, so nothing is etched in stone. And this is kind of like the running theme with Taz that people said at this time. Taz, in his prime, one of my favorites. I loved ECW Taz. He was doing stuff no one else was doing in America, but there are many reports of the kind of gimmick getting to his head a little bit. And this sounds like one of them. I love the correlation. Like if you listen to all the classic reviews and you hear the classic SmackDown review and then you hear Taz in the classic Raw review saying, hey, don't make me look weak. <laughs> and then you see him on SmackDown. 
was it an article we ran on uh, the website last week? It was on, I think, either the Kurt Angle podcast or Kurt Angle was on a podcast. And they were asking him about Taz. And he was like, why didn't Taz work? And he was like, oh, because Vince wanted him to be a scrappy underdog. And Taz was like, no. <laughs> and so Vince was like, you're going to get beat down. You're going to get battered by all these massive guys because you're a tiny weakling. You're going to get beat down. At the end, you'll get the scrappy win. He's like, I'm Taz. I pick up people who are seven foot tall and drop them on the head. And Vince was like, nah, no one would buy that. Oh, <laughs> Vince is back, baby. Mm, yeah. So happy. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I fear for Chad Gable. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And he looks so good at Mania, German suplexing Braun Strowman. Jesus Christ. Jeez, give that man the flowers. Talking of people who need flowers, New Jack. Uh, <laughs> New Jack did a television... I'm not buying New Jack flowers. <laughs> New Jack, um, before he passed away, his actual Instagram account follows me. And that was the most terrifying oh, notification of my life. It was wow. like, the real uh, New Jack follows you. And I was like, what have I said? New Jack has started following you. I don't think anybody wants to hear that sentence. I was like, I've not said anything about New Jack publicly, have I? <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you did you just kind of go, at Brat underscore Atkins, New Jack search? <laughs> no, I said, started doing sit-ups. This is a New Jack. Okay, <laughs> Look me, I've never done a sit up in my life. My um, favourite Father Ted episode is New Jack City. <laughs> <laughs> so New Jack on ECW did a television interview calling Jim Cornette a closet racist and the gangsters claimed Cornette owed them money. Apparently this was a combination of the gangster's idea and also Paul Heyman's retribution for three letters Cornette wrote over the years in The Observer, knocking ECW. And a recent online message where Cornette said something to the effect that Heyman was someone who would rather climb up a tree and lie than stay on the ground and tell the truth. <laughs> That's a great phrase. Just a pair of carny bastards fighting each other. I mean, depending on the circumstance, I'd probably climb a tree and lie. Yeah. <laughs> Just to say, you know, if, if it was, you know, if it got me out of trouble. Yeah. You know, did you eat the last biscuit? Hang on. Let me let me dangle from a branch <laughs> and fib. <laughs> no! <laughs> I know you're lying because we talked about climbing up a tree when you lie. No! No, it's fine. <laughs> Can I come down now? <laughs> and if you tell the truth. Oh. WCW news. Now, this one made me go, hmm. You know when, as wrestling fans, and there's, there's been many times over the years where most of the time, the booker knows best, but there are a few times where you just like, the fan knows best. You mm. think of Daniel Bryan. You think of all the fury about Cody Rhodes not winning the title at Mania, etc. So WCW, even though he's doing nothing but jobs, the folks at WCW are impressed with psychosis. So far, so good. Psychosis is fantastic. Good. Terry Taylor even called him one of the greatest workers in the history of wrestling. Okay. And the talk among the booking committee is that he's got more potential for the US than Rey Mysterio. Okay. Because it doesn't look like they are looking they are looking at Mysterio Jr.'s lack of size as a drawback. As Dave puts. When in fact, it's an attribute, if used correctly, can make him a star. The biggest little man. Yeah. <laughs> even even Vince knew that. Even <laughs> Vince knew that. Until he put the title on him. Yeah, and then they went, you're so small, pal. Lose to Carly dead quick. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Underdog. Rey Mysterio, who when he turned up in 96 on WCW, and everyone just went, he's the greatest wrestler I've ever seen. He was doing... He changed the industry. I know it was the cruiserweight division as a whole, but Rey Mysterio was the oh, tip of the spear. Yes, he certainly was. Yeah. And and will forever be one of the greats. He's in the Hall of Fame now, so he's he's more than earned his uh, his place in wrestling yeah. history. And I'm glad that he's in the Hall of Fame. I'm also glad he's not going anywhere for a while, like a, an active Hall of Famer. I'm, I'm in two minds about it, because part of me wishes I never saw him at his prime and wish that I'd gotten into him in like the mid-2000s. Because when I see him now, I just remember... Halloween Havoc against Guerrero and stuff. And just I'm just like, oh, Ray, you, oh, you can't really do it anymore. <laughs> he, he's, he's changed his style. But, but yeah. I was so such a Rey Mysterio fan that seeing him now, I'm just like, oh, it's, it's still good, but... He's had to adopt and adapt. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there's some wrestlers that adopt and adapt really well. Uh, like Jushin Liger is a great example of someone who adopted and adapted and added decades yeah. to his legacy. Whether Ray adopted and adapted too late, yeah, don't know. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. See, like the differences. It, it, but I, I mean, it happens time, to all wrestlers. It's, it's, time reaches all of us. Yeah, it, it's make it's, it stop. It's a little unfair because he put the bar here, and I'm still expecting him to be at that bar nearly 30 years later. But 
What can you do? So more WCW stuff, right? They shot an angle in Orlando after the end of Nitro that'll probably air either Saturday or Monday, where Sting and Luger are about to leave the park and Hall and Nash jump them and beat them up and have a video camera shooting the scene and they mock the two when they're down. So you'll cover this in more detail. Yes, we certainly will. So this was done because of the fear that Hogan was overshadowing them to the point that they've become background music. So already people are just like, fuck me, Hogan's a bit too much at the forefront of the end of your own. Yeah, so they've had to do something to kind of bring them all back to the same level. But why would you be surprised at that? Yeah. You know, Pikachu meme dot gif. Hogan came and joined a faction and became the center of attention. Yeah. What? No. For real? Never saw that coming. Yeah. Thought he'd share the spotlight evenly. Because it's weird for me going back and looking at some of the Hollywood Hogan stuff. Because as cool as the NWO were and are, and at the time I thought it, everyone was really cool. You look back and you're like, right, National Hall is genuinely cool. Hogan's not always that cool. <laughs> Sometimes no. you're like, is it, is it cringy? He is, yeah. Like, I, when, as you were saying that, in my brain, I remember Hogan go, my NWOites. Yeah. Like, he needs, he can't say Hulkamaniac, so he just, instead of changing up his dialogue, he just supplants a different word there, like a really bad AI generator. And when he had hair plugs for a few weeks and... Oh, God. <laughs> you know, things like that. And you're like, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't all, it wasn't all plain sailing. No. Like, Hall, Nash, Waltman, and Conan, genuinely cool. Some of the others, you're like... An element of your dad coming to the disco with you. Yeah. And the fact that I call it a disco says, who am I <laughs> to comment on cool? Because <laughs> I just called it a fucking... Hulk Hogan's like, everyone loves the hustle, brother. <laughs> <laughs> on the floor doing those, doing the... I am sailing. <laughs> oh, God. Hulk Hogan and Rod Stewart together <laughs> at last. <laughs> together at last. Oh, so, <laughs> Should have been here, brother. Did the big mega power handshake. <laughs> <gasps> this week in 96, the FTC has basically approved the Turner Time Warner merger. Oh, that there is the, unknowingly, the death knell. Yeah. Sounding for dubsy dub. Yeah. And, it, and we're about to hit the hottest point of its entire history. Yeah. Which is terrifying how little it lasted mm. and a bit of ufc news because i saw this because Meltzer has always done covered what's MMA. ufc got to do with wwe jack <sighs> nothing they're not connected in any way well they weren't in 96 either but i like this line from Meltzer, <laughs> which is even funnier considering the news this week so ufc's paper because it was talking about you know pay-per-view on the whole is up and down apart from boxing but there's little question that UFC was a phenomenon at this point one year ago. With almost no publicity, it was beating out pro wrestling on pay-per-view and getting tons of mainstream media coverage. Much of it, not favorable. Like all novelties, it wasn't going to last forever until it became part of the fabric. UFC, which is now worth $12 billion. <laughs> yeah, and, and basically bought WWE. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny how the, how the worm turns like that. Endeavor did great things for UFC. Like they invested in it and made it into a, a monster. Yeah. So, like from a business perspective, I get why WWE would want a piece of that piece of that action. You know, to get that juggernaut behind them and get that model behind them. Mm. I think you know it spells good times if you're WWE. Their stocks have gone up. I'm gutted they didn't buy shares. That could have been fun. Mm. I mean, I've not watched UFC in years. Um, me being a horrible little bastard, kind of like the early days of it when it was more like bear baiting. You're like, you've got a 400 pound sumo wrestler, you've got a five foot two karate practitioner, who will win? And just like, <laughs> just let them fucking fight. <laughs> Bring back the good old days. Good old days when people were getting legitimately dangerously kicked in the face. <laughs> no protection, no mouth guards. Oh, brilliant. It's the only way I can get an erection now. <laughs> <laughs> 
quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So that's the news that, that, of the wrestling. Yeah, that was all the news of the wrestling. Oh, loads going on this week. So yeah. um, with that in mind, we're going to talk about Monday Night Raw from July 22nd, 1996. A couple of notes from superstars this week. I said I'd kind of keep an, a watch over yes. superstars uh, every single week because sometimes they have the old little bit of story that doesn't quite get told on Monday nights. Uh, this week, it was the debut of The Go! And he beat Dan Jessa quite easily. And we get a video package that sort of has the goon beating up folk in the hockey ring just to kind of tell the story because he'll make his debut on Raw this week. And what I've noticed is there's a bit of a correlation with these Superstars episodes. If they've got a, an enhancement guy wrestling, they'll probably have a quite a showy, quite a showcase match on the Superstars beforehand. Yeah. Which I like because if you're watching the whole product as, uh, as one long narrative, you get introduced to who this guy is before they turn up and get beaten up by a proper boy. It's instant payoff, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's an instant payoff. It, it gives you an indication of who he is. Um, we also get a video of the WWF Wrestle Vessel, a.k.a. the WWF Cruise, oh. uh, which was the cruise ship that they, 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 they partnered with a travel company and they went around the Cape with the Bushwhackers, Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart. Right. And uh, basically, they did uh, like a Q&A thing on the boat. And then it looked like they just hung around on the boat with the, with the guests on the boat and did like games and stuff. And there's clay pigeon shooting off the boat. <laughs> they were playing bowls <laughs> on one of the islands that they visited. Yeah. Um, uh, lots of shots of the bushwhackers in there. Rest, uh, rest, the, rest in peace, uh, bushwhacker Luke. Butch. Uh, Butch, sorry. Bushwhacker Butch. I don't, Have I've you got, told your dad? I know the heart's telling me. He's no. on holiday at the moment. It'll ruin his holiday. Ah. I'll tell him when he comes back. Yeah. <laughs> we just heard about Bob Welch. It was good to see the Bushwhackers on Superstars this week. They had a, a showcase match on there as well. I'm sad that I didn't get into watching Superstars beforehand because about four weeks ago, the Bushwhackers were on Superstars with a big kangaroo mascot wow. <laughs> that I forgot they had. It never made it to Raw. Oh, thank fuck. Sausage, <laughs> sausage. <laughs> uh, that was the only notable things from Superstars I picked up. There's a few more things, but next week, but we'll talk about that next week. Uh, let's go to Monday Night Raw. We're looking around Seattle for Fraser Crane as Raw <laughs> is live. <laughs> Tell me, Niles. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he's here yet. I think Fraser would have debuted by 96. 96, definitely. Yeah, he, he would have been known for cheers anyway by this point. That's very true. I don't know whether he moved to Seattle oh, yet. I'm trying to think. Cause if like, you can heal, I can feel. As a, as a kid, I always watched Channel check. 4 comedy on Friday nights. Yeah. And it used to be like Sybil was on and Ellen's oh. show and stuff like that. And Friends in the early days and Roseanne and Frasier was part of that lineup. Frasier was in the was in the, the lineup, wasn't it? It, it must be by 96. And yeah, yeah, it was indeed. Yeah. So 1996, yeah, we were deep into into Frasier. Well, the, so, the, the reboot's getting done at the moment, isn't it? With Nicholas Lindhurst. Oh, I don't like the sound of this. <laughs> I like to be wrong. I don't know why Nicholas Lindhurst. I mean, yeah, obviously. Unless he's playing Rodney. Yeah. Which I'd be fine with. Because obviously you got no you got no Martin Crane. You've no. got no Eddie. And yeah. sadly he is uh he's no longer with, is no. he? No. Bless his God rest his soul. Yeah. Um but um As long as as long as you get Bulldog and Gill, that's all that matters to me. <laughs> well we well, it was yes, it was on at this point, mm. which is uh Which you love to see. So yeah, so we did have so as Roy is live from the key arena, massive crowd. It, it looks looked amazing, yeah. didn't it? It's very like steep mm. looking arena. But it's packed to the rafters and they're making a lot of noise and they're very enthusiastic. And yeah, what what more can you want? Well, how about a match with all the champions at the same time? Let's have a match with all the champions. The Smoking Guns, the reigning WWF Tag Team Champs, are putting it up against Ahmed Johnson, the Intercontinental Champion, and the World Wrestling Federation Champion, Shawn Michaels. Oof. Sonny comes to the ring with a birthday cake. Uh, very likely for Shawn Michaels, who on this day is 31 years old. 
Jesus, where? Spry young man. And I think they mentioned it was Fabulous Moogle's birthday as well. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. And I think one other person. It was a bit Bob, Bob Dole, I don't know. <laughs> Probably <laughs> no Vince. Sean admires the cake, which proves a distraction to allow Billy and Bart Gunn to get the jump on the challengers. However, Sean weathers it and hits the sweet cheer music on Billy Gunn. The bell hasn't sounded yet. This is an important point. Mm. Sean rolls out of the ring and ends up um, putting some icing on Sonny's face. Sonny goes to put the cake over Sean, but here's Ahmed to the rescue who pushes the cake into Sonny's face. Oh. And Shawn Michaels grabs Sonny and essentially starts necking on with her, but licking all the icing off her face. Yeah. And, and Vince is like, oh, this is great. And Vince, he had the audacity to say that Brett had Sonny days when. Mm. Vince actually says, it's Michael's birthday. Why shouldn't he have a kiss? Uh, Vince McMahon, who is, oh. uh, who is back in WWE following sexual, sexual harassment allegations. Mmm, Sean's music hits. Uh, Michael's covered in cake poses with Ahmed as the fireworks go off. No match has happened here, but Gorilla Monsoon informs us after the break the champs will get a, get a match uh, once they've recovered uh, and we'll have the titles defended in our main event tonight instead. Fine. Fine. That's yep. all right, wouldn't it? Nice way to start the show. Thread for the show. Yeah, yeah nice. And, and, and it's one that we keep popping back to, which is good. Uh, up next, The Goon! Making his Monday Night Raw debut. He takes on Mark Mero. But did you see what his title plaque said when he came out? It just said The Wild Man. They were calling him Mark Mero, but when he came out, it just said The Wild Man. I was like, ooh, there's something to... Do you think maybe they might be sort of trying to move away from Mark Mero? I think so, because the, the rumour was always as well in later years with Vader that they wanted to just call him the Mastodon, didn't they? Yeah, they did, yeah. But so, they still call him Mark Merrow on commentary, but yeah, the title, I, I noticed the title plate just said The Wild Man. The Goon has some sloppy offense for Mark Merrow, whilst Austin is on commentary. He's gloating about whooping Merrow's ass the night before at the pay-per-view. Austin calls out Armour Johnson, Shawn Michaels, and even Bret Hart for a match. However, Austin resigns himself that Bret is gone, and he now is the new excellence of execution. Oh. The seed has been planted for one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. But did you hear the line, especially he said about beating Merrow at the pay-per-view? He said he opened up a can of whoop-ass on him. He, do you know what? He did say that, but I think because I'm so used to Austin saying it, I didn't recognize that was probably one of the first times yeah. that he'd said it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Jay Roberts is on the phone at this point. Vince reveals that he had an intercostal muscle contraction. <laughs> Hmm. which meant that... So Jake Roberts didn't make the pay-per-view and he was also absent from a radio interview. Yeah. And we weren't quite sure why. And this is the first time they've given any kind of explanation as why. An intercostal muscle contraction. Lawler says he got barthritis. He's <sighs> stiff in a different joint every night. Yeah. Uh, Austin says, I didn't know you could break your intercostal throwing up homemade hooch. <laughs> Uh. Lawler makes jokes about booze because Jake Roberts is a recovering alcoholic. Jake Roberts just doesn't rise to it and says he'll be back in two to three weeks, maybe sooner. Uh, Vince spares Roberts any more of this horse shit and wraps up the call. <laughs> Meanwhile, the goon and Mero are going back and forth. Austin is spitting some creative ideas. Quote, a long time ago, you painted up a school bus red, white and blue and drugged someone round shaking hands and kissing babies. Why don't you paint me up a school bus and let me go around the country and every time somebody shows up, I'll kick their ass. That's a great it's idea. so good. That's a brilliant idea. I wish they'd done it. Vince tells him to kick The Undertaker's ass next week and Austin tells all the jerks in TV land to cash their welfare checks and tune in next week to watch Stone Cold versus The Undertaker. And then, and that's the bottom line, because Stone, Stone Cold, Cold said, said so. so. And at home, I just went, yeah. he's fucking here. He's here. Stone Cold Steve Austin in his pomp on commentary. Wearing a black leather waistcoat as well. He, he just, he's Austin now. He is Oh, it's great. He's Austin. It's brilliant. Yeah. He's found his voice. He's found his feet. He's, he's summoned the new sound. Mark Mera hits Goon with a somersault sent on outside the ring, leaving the Goon covered in cake. Once he's back in the ring, he gets a springboard <laughs> leg drop and Mero picks up the win over the Goon. As Austin has uh, done a fabulous job in being the foreground to this match's background. Yeah. <laughs> Sean and Ahmed are interviewed backstage. Sean thanks Sonny for the cakes, if you know what I mean. Uh -huh. Oh, sunny days, etc. Uh, they're ready to face uh, the smoking guns in the main event later on. Very mm. basic little promo, just to, as you say, keep the thread yeah. going throughout uh, the Ahmed night. with his nose bandage because he what, broke it at the pay-per-view. 
And he's, yes. he's just there flicking his tongue like a lizard again. He's going, eh. <laughs> he's cool, Ahmed. The, 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 the nose tape becomes quite a nice little gimmick for Ahmed, I seem to recall. Like, even when he comes back in 98, I think he's got the nose tape. Yeah, on, he I looks think. like Robbie Fowler. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, I'm just like, look at him there. Fantastic. There's Robbie Fowler. That's what we all thought. Um, a very 90s advert follows this with a kid asleep at his massive computer. <laughs> he's looking at WWF's AOL page, I presume because his Encarta disc is scratched. <laughs> Encarta. I know, Fuck right? Me. He's playing Mind Maze. Hey, nanny, nanny. Answer these questions about the war. <laughs> Brilliant, Encarta. Remember in Carter? Remember old-fashioned trousers? Uh, Do you remember Mist? Do you remember, <laughs> ah, ah, remember Mist? Do you remember Puffer Lumps? Uh, every dream of a every ever dream of attending a live World Wrestling Federation pay-per-view spectacular. Well, dream no more. Cut to kid basically having a panic attack about this. <laughs> He's like waving his hands in the air, his tongue sticking out. It's so weird. Weird direction. So Stridex are basically doing a pay-per-view giveaway. The runners up get uh, the winners get tickets to a hotel and hotel for a domestic pay-per-view spectacular. Mm -hmm. Runners up get t-shirts. And this is this is a partnership that'll last a few years now as well. Isn't yes, it? they'll they'll stick around with Stridex. Then I get why. Yeah, <laughs> because their target audience is spotty teenagers. Yeah. I did notice as well the music bed for this was quite. This is going to sound so lame. It's quite rocking. It's just like quite rocking. Create some chunky guitar. So again, like I said, just veering more into the harder edge of mm. the late 90s. Earlier today, Clarence Mason was in a meeting with Gorilla Monsoon. We see video of this. And Clarence is trying to get Gorilla to sign off on a new client. We don't see the client. We just see the back of the body. of the. We see the back of the client uh, wearing biker gear, long sort of dreadlocky hair, bit scruffy looking, uh, looks like trouble. Um, we don't know their name, but this is Crush. Bra. Bra, bra, bra. This is the returning Brian Adams. More Weirdly, you know, people always go about their boy stables. Mm. My cousin was a fucking huge Crush fan as a kid. Yeah? Crush was his boy, loved him, always wanted him to be champion. Uh, uh, do you know what? There was points where I thought they might have sort of, maybe not, made him champ, but at least put him in the mix. Yeah. And they never really did. This is a, a chance to rebrand Crush. Now, I'll do some digging into Crush in the weeks to come, but this is, uh, this is we don't know, we don't recognize him as Crush yet. But he, it's... It's Crush. It reflects real life as well. Yes, but it does. More importantly than it being Crush coming back, you've got Crush, you've got Clarence Mason, and... A few, a few more faces will arrive soon, and they'll they'll, they'll form a, a group that people still want to see thirty years later. But it'll be never quite retiring. difficult for them to form, but they will find a way to do so by any means necessary. He's good. Uh, He's good. What a pro! What a pro! <laughs> Is that Malcolm X? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I am Malcolm Cross. <laughs> Bob Backlund is the in the crowd campaigning. I hear hillbilly music and I think, oh great, a Godwin's match. What a joy when I realise it's just my tired brain not interpreting the music of Freddie Joe Floyd. I thought the same as well. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, there's some kind of Godwin, but it doesn't sound as you know, clearly dubbed as it usually does. No, it's the master race of the Godwins. It's Freddie Joe Floyd, a.k.a. Tracy. Everybody dies, smothers and on Monday Night Raw. Oh, and who's he against, Tom? Oh, he's facing mankind. EC Dub. EC Dub. EC Dub. <laughs> so this is great. Cactus Jack versus Tracy Smothers on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Matt, he absorbs a bunch of elbows off the bat, does Freddie Joe Floyd, yeah. but he flips mankind to the outside getting a little modicum of offense in on one of the hottest acts in the company right now. Vince and Jerry Lawler inform us that Undertaker and Mankind will compete at SummerSlam in a boiler room brawl. <laughs> First of its kind, you'll fight in the boiler room, you'll make your way back to the ring to be determined the winner. Uh, Floyd in the ring hits a floppy crossbody and misses. It's weird. It, it's kind of like this, his crumple physics are all over the place as he yeah. comes off the top rope. Uh, but Mankind steps out of the way, so he hits the ground, and then he takes control from here. Vince keeps talking about the Boiler Room Brawl, and I always think it sounds like he's saying Boiler Room Bra. Yeah, boiler Room Bra. The Boiler Room Bra. <laughs> it just I wouldn't wear a Boiler Room Bra. Brown, filled with gravel. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of oil. <laughs> and uh, very low down. Freddie lands an enziguri. 
and a back elbow to get the near two count. Tracy Smothers, fuck me, is getting loads in yeah. on this one. Uh, however, he goes up to the top rope one too many times. Uh, Mankind blocks it and puts the mandible claw on while he's on the top rope. So Freddie Joe Floyd's up top, about to do something. Mankind gets up there and does the mandible claw on the top rope and pulls him to the ground, and eventually Floyd succumbs to the claw. Yeah. Great match. Really good match, and I like the... At the end as well, just mankind screaming Undertaker's name into the camera. Yeah. I'm just like, this is, yeah, uh, good match. Smothers was really crisp, made him look good. Mankind worked with him nicely. Quick, decisive win. That's all you really need, but yeah, go for it. I love, I love the fact that maybe these had a chat backstage and they went, ah, oh, make it, yeah, well, well, let's put yeah. Tracy over. Yeah, because he's so beloved was Tracy Smothers. Mm. I like. I think there was a general, there was a general consensus to go. Let's let's really give. Tracy Smothers some some strong offense here. Well, around this time as well, and also like the the indie explosion of the early two thousands, all the indie guys love Tracy Smothers as well because he was just mm. the veteran in the locker room telling really weird stories. So it felt like like an indie guy getting a good run, like getting a like yeah. getting some well received attention, well deserved attention. Yeah, it was quite nice. Brian Pillman makes his way to commentary as Raw goes to break. Back from the break, Barry Horowitz's music is playing, Bazzard to the ring. Talking of music, though, I noticed when Pillman walked to the ring, remember in between when they brought the weird, I like it, Raw? Yes. And then they brought back the other theme. And there was one in the middle that I said resonated with me. It was playing here. They were using it as the incidental music. I think that's why it stuck with me. I think they've done it a couple of times. Yeah. And they'll do it a few more. Like, it's a bit of incidental music that they use going into some breaks. Yeah. So it's not quite gone. So I wonder if they used it. They must have still been using it heading into the Attitude Era, maybe? And, like, in your houses and stuff like that? I think it's definitely gone by the time we get Thorn in Your Eye. Yeah, but I was just thinking, like, for mm. other stuff, when they're just like, oh, we just need a bit of music to fill Very likely. Yeah. It's stock music. So it wouldn't surprise me if it just pops up in other places. Yeah, it's just one of those that as soon as I heard it, I was like, I know this. Mm. And I remember saying, ah, classic theme. And you were like, is it? And I was like, well, apparently not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I only know it from watching this. Yeah. But, a lot of, but you've said that, and somebody else has said, oh, no, it's a classic theme. Yeah. So is it really? Uh, well, it's news to me. So sorry, Barry uh, Horowitz. Pillman's on commentary as Bazza gets into the ring. Uh, Pillman is teasing, saying the seven words you're not meant to say on television. And what are the seven words, Tom? Fuck, shit, cunt, piss, twat. No, that's England. One the, <laughs> that's one of the additional ones. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits. And then uh, fart, turd, and twat are ones you can... It's a... Uh, um, mine's just gone, but George Carlin. Yes. Yeah. He did, yeah, he made a thing about that. You can't say, shippers, fuck, on cocks of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. He got them all out. Ah, okay, so that's yeah. the thing. Well, I was nearly there. I'll get some. England is definitely up there. England. <laughs> uh, it's Barry Horowitz versus Gold Dust tonight. Oh, mm. I really enjoyed this Gold Dust. It's very oh. good. <laughs> what made this Gold Dust shine to you? He was fucking raging. He was angry, wasn't he? <laughs> angry Goldust. Vince tells us that SummerSlam will bring us Goldust versus Mark Marrow because of all the shenanigans we've seen between Marlena and Sable. Mm. Marrow is backstage promising to beat Vader next week and then tells Goldust, don't mess with Sable, and he'll have his full attention at SummerSlam. Pillman says he'd like to see Sable and Marlena go after each other's carpets and then promises not to comment on Barry Horowitz lest it gets misconstrued with anti-Semitism. <laughs> Brian's on one tonight. Again, we're, we're here, aren't we? Mm. Gutsy effort from Baz, but Goldust is intense as all hell throughout this match, and he wins with the curtain call. Post-match, he starts wailing on him with punches. That's so good. I like angry Goldust. I, lo I really like this. I, I, I think it was the, the mixture of Brian Pillman trying to get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> but just... <clears throat> This side of the Goldust character, which doesn't get played up as much during this run, I love. Because obviously he's got the creepiness and the mind games, but too often he kind of like backs away from people a bit frightened. And then you remember, mm. he's six foot six and a Texan. And you can't teach that. <laughs> <laughs> but just, he just had this vacant stare and he was just like, this, this man's an unpredictable lunatic. The idea that he's had this match against The Undertaker yeah. that's, that's sort of 
messed his head up a little bit. You don't know if he's going to kiss you or knock your teeth down your throat. And I really like that. Great. Sunny is still getting cake out of her hair and she's with the smoking guns backstage. She tells us that Billy and Bart are respectable champions and they are defending their titles tonight. That you won't have your cake and eat it too, she says in a shoehorned kind of manner. Billy and Bart declare Sean and Ahmed will pay in the evening. Very bland promos. Really bland. Yeah. Like, and, and... An unnecessary pun. <laughs> oh, you got cake on me. You want to have your cake and eat it? Oh, Didn't yeah, eat it. Cake. Uh, the Stridex Slam of the Week is something they replay pretty much every week from here on in, which is Vader pinning Shawn Michaels. Mm. They're keen to tell you that Vader's fighting Shawn at SummerSlam, and this is the most jeopardy that he's had it that he's been in. In fact, here is Vader and Cornette him, themselves to tell you all about it. They're in the ring with Vince McMahon right now. Cornette reminds us that Camp Cornette won the six-man tag at International Incident. He reminds Shawn Michaels about his high school bully. and said, that kid grew up to be Vader and he's coming for the title. You are going to step headlong into the biggest nightmare of your miserable punk life and the new champion will be the man they call Vader. Great promo by Cornette. I didn't like it. You didn't like it? It kind of undersold Vader. Don't call him a bully, call him a killer. Okay. Just from that. Um, got the job done, though. I can give it that. It's setting up Vader. It's building up a bit more, like you said, building up the jeopardy of it. I just thought some of the verbiage was a bit like, Ugh. You think it could have been a bit more aggressive? Yeah, a bit more. I think bully was a bit safe. Cause, yeah, because he, he, he says, instead of robbing your new football, he's going to take your title. I was like, eh. yeah. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. But I don't disagree with your opinion that it was great either. It's just one of those that just for me, I was just like, I didn't quite hit the mark. Cornet's delivery is always great. Yeah. Especially in this one. Uh, Main event o'clock, it is the redo. Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson take on the smoking guns for the tag team titles. Shawn and Ahmed save a bit of time and they head out together as friends to Shawn Michaels' music. Uh, The guns try and rush the challengers and they get booted out of the ring immediately. It's all challengers from the off. Billy Gunn, who bounces around like the jump physics are broken. (laughs) He goes flying for some of these moves. Backdrop where he just like almost touches the touches the rafters. Yeah, he's he's trying to get in nice with the click, isn't he? Of course he is. I nice. don't blame him. Gary's mod physics. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Back from the break, Bart cheap shots Ahmed Johnson. That puts the champs in charge. That is until Ahmed hits a hybrid suplex power slam that again defies gravity on Bart Gunn. Yeah. I was like, never seen this before. No. Like kind of gets him up in the process of a suplex, but it's kind of... Almost like early days jackhammer. Kind of, yeah. Type thing? It was... Obviously, it's Ahmed, so it wasn't crisp. But no, it's, nothing it's he does is crisp. But it's something new. Yeah, it looked great, I thought. The Sean Hot Tags does all right until Bart counters a short head scissors on Billy by dropping him throat first across the top rope. That yeah. was quite cool. Uh, Sean then gets a shoe in for a little while as we go to break. We've got shocking breaking news. Will SummerSlam be The Undertaker's last match? Ring the superstar line to find out. Didn't find out anything about what this was about. No. And I assume that there's going to be a story in The Observer in the next week or so that says maybe Undertaker's taking a break. More than likely. So maybe it's based on that. Ooh. And I might be getting ahead of the story. Yeah, because feeling a bit clairvoyant here, but I nope. think in a few months' I am time... I am clairvoyant. Hi, Claire. Um, I think in a few months' time, he does take a little... Yes, he does. Yeah. He certainly does. Uh, back from the break, Sean continues to get beaten down. Eventually, he double backdrop. He counters the double backdrop with a noggin knocker, banging the heads of the guns together. Hot tag to Ahmed, whopping great pop for Ahmed. This crowd was fantastic. Oh, weren't they great? Yeah, really good. Uh, he runs through everybody. That is until Bart Gunn low bridges him out of the ring. And as Ahmed Johnson's out of the ring, we see a figure charge down the ring and boot Ahmed in the kidney. <laughs> And this. What? Someone in a blue outfit wearing a silver helmet? Is, he boots Ahmed and starts putting the punches in. The refs and agents are out there to eventually pull him away. Jerry Lawler opines, it looks like Ron Simmons. There's in the, the football standout. He became WCW world champion. Ooh. What? No way. Ahmed hasn't moved since this since this punch, and I'm quite concerned. Uh, the mystery attacker leaves along with Sonny. Sonny is delighted to see whomever this is, and he tells the camera, he tells Sonny, now this kingdom is yours. He then heads, then he's at the top of the ramp chatting with Sonny, right? 
and they're all checking on Ahmed. Pat Patterson walks out. Did you see this? Yeah. Pat walks out. I'm sure he says something to them because moments later they walk back down the ramp and try and get into a fight again. And that's where I think Shawn Michaels might get a couple of shots in. I feel like that it was a segment that they didn't, that they timed badly. And they kind of thought that the brawl would be happening as Raw went off the air. Yeah. But Raw hadn't gone off the air. So as they're heading up the ramp, maybe Pat goes, we're still on the air. I I thought it worked though regardless because it made him look like more of a nutter because he was like, oh, I've done my seven piece. Oh, you want another go, do you? (laughs) (laughs) We'll have another run of that. We'll have another one of that. Um, This mystery attacker, you'll get a name next week and we'll talk more about him next week, but it is indeed Ron Simmons. It's Ron Simmons. So Ron had kind of wrapped with wrestling at this point. Yeah. And uh, and he, he's made a lot of friends in the wrestling world, and he was given an opportunity to to come and do something in the WWF. And they were like, "Ron, you're still an absolutely massive specimen of a man, and legitimately hard. Would you like Would you like to Would you like to come on board?" Clarence Mason and his mate are over there. You might want to go have a word with them. <laughs> no, no, no. We've got a different idea for you. But it, it feels like we've been waiting a while for this because Sonny said it feels. It might just be because physically in time we recorded the episode about six months ago. <laughs> yeah. But Sonny said, I'm bringing a singles wrestler in. Mm. I'm bringing him. He's coming. And in, in here. He's here. And he's here. This is Sonny's Charge, who we'll get to know properly next week on Raw. Oh. Um, I'll drop this in here. It's not looking good for Ahmed Johnson. No. As it seems as if that kick was laid in a little bit tougher than they hoped. Yes. Um more on that next time. <laughs> Ron Simmons stiffens. <laughs> ah, damn! No, we'd never do that. No. Thoughts on Raw this week? This was really, really good. It was a great show, wasn't it? I mean, the crowd pumped it up to that next level. But even without that crowd, it still would have been a good show. It was mm. really focused. It was really tight. Every segment made sense and built to something. There was lots of quick promos, you know, picture in picture that didn't interrupt the flow. Hot crowd, fantastic. Even, like I said, we had different opinions on the Jim Cornette segment, but despite our thoughts on it, it was still a good segment. It still served a purpose. The Mark Merrow-Goon match was a bit background, but all the elements in play, you've got Mark Merrow building up to a match with Goldust and Vader. You've got Austin keeping his eye on Mark Merrow while also setting up something with fucking Bret Hart and... Mm. It's just they've they've gone right. We've got all these people. Let's start getting them into the mix. I thought, yeah, really, really enjoyed this. And that, I thought the main event as a match was really good, but the post-match angle was superb. It felt chaotic. And like you said, the hot crowd really helped. Despite Ron Simmons' look not being superb, it was really effective. We'll go into that properly next time we're together. But I agree. I really enjoyed Raw this week. Yeah. I enjoyed the, the the simple way that the the main event book ended the show. Yeah. Very simple. You can't do that every week, granted, but I like the fact that you did on this occasion. Yeah, yeah. You had a little bit of fun that kind of gave us the match at the start and then told people to stick around because we'll do the match later. Yeah. And then in between there, you had a, a, a belter between Mankind and Tracy's mothers. <laughs> uh, you had more good character stuff with Steve Austin, so you're really building who that is. Uh, and the goon was there. Hello, goon! Hello, goon! Uh, we're back next week and we'll do it all again. Another episode of Raw from 1996 as we head headlong towards SummerSlam 1996, uh, the last stand of Leon White oh. in the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah. Anything, anything you want to plug? Um, we're kind of we're, we're reeling from it's Bank Holiday Monday as people are listening to this. It is. How'd you spend your Bank Holiday? <laughs> oh well, I'll be on the website. Ah, you will. I'll, I'll be covering the website. Yeah, because because working got... a Bank Holiday. Yeah, you getting double time. No, I just bank the day. Oh, nice. I, I, I work most of the bank holidays usually mm. um, just because of Sean's job. She usually doesn't have them off. So I'm just like, well, I'll just be sitting around in my undies anyway. But with it being a double bank holiday, Aiden's doing Good Friday and I'll do Easter Monday. Nice. So, so watch, you know, the, the world collapse on Monday, me being like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anything interesting coming up? I think by now, either today or yesterday, uh, a tier list that Ross and I did of all of John Cena's WrestleMania matches. Okay. So we, we went through and just put them all where they belonged in the tier list. Yeah. Um, I won't give away too much of the deal. He's fairly fair to middling for most of it. There's at least one banger and one horrible mess. At least Ooh. one of both. Ooh. I was, because we were writing stuff for the news and the news came out that his match of Austin Theory went under time, which is odd for an opener. Usually they cut time later in the show. And I looked into it. 
Do you know when John Cena last had a singles win at WrestleMania? Go on. Rusev. Was that really the last one? Last singles win. But to be fair, he won pretty much every single yeah. one. Yeah. Beyond that. So he won with Rusev and then he won the, the mixed tag match was his last win with Nikki Bella against, right. um, against Miz and Maurice. But his last actual singles win was, yeah, Rusev. <laughs> we kind of opined that he, he was he, he strong-armed and won everything. And then when he kept beating the younger guys, that's when Undertaker turned up, batted him, went, start losing matches. Yeah. So therefore he has just lost matches forever from here. It's, it's a weird one, my relationship with the work of John Cena. Because mm. as I was getting back into wrestling, like 2005-ish, couldn't fucking stand him. I was just it, it was it was the booking of it. It was like, oh, no one can beat Kurt Angle in a submission. Oh, John Cena's done it. No one can beat Edge in a TLC match in Toronto. Oh, John Cena's done it. No one can survive getting hit in the face with a cut. Oh, John Cena's done it. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, he's not even that good. <laughs> and then he grew into it and he became a fantastic ring general. And now, like, I, I can look back at his, his later on, just like, yeah, he, he he turned into a very good wrestler. Yes. But those early years, fuck me, some of it was rough. Oh, it was, <laughs> we, we, yeah, there was a lot of, there's a lot of treacle that we trudged through. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that should be on the channel and on the podcast feed around about now, if not now, in a little while. And uh, we are back together next week. Until then, here's at Brad Atkins on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. And together, we're at Cold Alec on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. I love you. Love you, bye. Not one bulldog joke this week. No bulldog? That's probably why, then. Oh. We'll have to double down next week. I, uh, I was looking at because obviously there's more, they've announced more figures coming out for WrestleMania. Aye. Over WrestleMania weekend. And you know they do build a figure now as well. This, this was so, so you Keep get, it in, maybe. You get the you buy four figures and you get the pieces to make another one. And one of the builder figures they're doing is Jeans British Bulldog. <laughs> yes! Ultimate Bulldog! So so if you cut if you buy them all, you can get a <laughs> Jeans British Bulldog. And I was like, oh fuck's sake. Yeah, last week at the bottom says title shot not included. Title shot bin not included. Let's <laughs> book. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Steph. Not sorry, Steph. Oh. Wrestling. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs> 